Hello, my dear listener, and welcome to Is This It? I'm your host, Donna Greenberger, and I'm here to have meaningful conversations with talented and purpose-driven people to discover what mindset allowed them to overcome their greatest challenges and achieve success and share it with you so you can do the same. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider joining my exclusive Patreon community to support the show and unlock bonus content. So everything that is contouring this Mm -hmm. inside is based on sensations and the breath is extremely important. So you are focusing on the breath like razor sharp and then you start developing or being aware that the sensations in your body are present all the time and that they are impermanent. Pain, bliss, tingling, heat, all of these things. I'm comfortable being who I am. It's comfortable being me and all this structure that I created, you know, being born here, being doing this, because what if you actually see me and you actually see that it's possible to do all of those things you've always dreamed about Mm -hmm. and to actually take all those risks? Uh, No, no, no. It's comfortable to be here. Shut up. Uh, You know, let's continue repeating our traumas, repeating our patterns, living this. On today's episode, founder of Live Beyond, David Gamboa. David, hi. (laughs) Hi and welcome back. So you're the first guest that I can say this to. You are returning. So for those who haven't uh, heard the episode with you yet, it is number seven, where you illuminate us and talk to us about remote work, the future work, and how we can build um, the structure around workplaces and work schedules that benefit the employees and facilitate their well-being, mental, physical, and overall happiness. So anyone who hasn't listened to them, go ahead. Number seven. (laughs) True, it's good to be back. Thank you very much. Um, Hopefully I'm sharing a little bit more um, and I enjoyed our conversation. So uh, yeah, for anybody that hasn't listened, uh, it it was packed of a lot of uh, deep, vulnerable sharings, I think. Um, So yeah. And thank thank you you for that. Thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing your story as well. (laughs) On top of all the the good nuggets and all the wisdom that you shared. Thank you. So today, um, for the listeners, we're going to focus on a specific topic, which is meditation. And that is at the back of actually your recent experience that was very impactful for you, where you went on to do a 10 days, was it? Uh, 10 days of Vipassana. Just uh, to summarize, what is that for those who don't know? Right. Yeah. So I think the reason we we started talking about meditation is it, I've been practicing for a while now. So mm-hmm. it's been more than five years mm-hmm. practicing mindfulness and um, using meditation to practice mindfulness. So Vipassana itself, it's a technique of meditation, mm-hmm. right? If you think about meditation, the way I like to think about it is Meditation is a tool to practice vipassana, uh, sorry, to practice mindfulness, Mm -hmm. right? Same as any tool, you can have different techniques to use that tool. So meditation has different techniques. We can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Vipassana is one of them. Mm -hmm. Vipassana is, according to uh, the Buddhists, one of the oldest um, techniques remaining um, from the Buddha himself, from the Buddha that we know. There's many Buddhas, there's been many Buddhas, um, but the one um, we know about, uh, Siddhartha Gautama, this is a technique he passed along and the one he used. So this is uh, ancient Buddhism, um, specifically the Theravada um, 
type of Buddhism. So it's a specific technique. What you're mentioning is a retreat um, mm -hmm. that exists um, in many places around the world, which lasts for 10 days. And these are 10 days learning. So it's it's not only a retreat, but it's a course, right? Mm -hmm. So it's 10 days uh, practicing and learning the technique of Vipassana meditation, an average of 10 hours a day. And there's a lot of things that happen there. I'm happy to go deep if you if you want a little bit more deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, this is this is straight into the deep end. <laughs> this is advanced stuff. But before we get into that, I want to hear more about the journey of meditation for you. So you said you've been doing that um, over five years right now. And uh, tell me, how did you first get into that and why? And, and how was that evolution for you? Absolutely. And um, again, another way to hook to that episode in which I was talking about my personal story. So not, not to go back to that, but really uh, throughout a very dark period of my life, uh, back when I was 30 years old, I'm 36 right now, going to 37. So um, I discovered mindfulness um, through therapy. I was lucky enough that my therapist um, was also a yoga master so she was like into um mindfulness and i got this one book by Thich Nhat Hanh, a buddhist monk um who passed away sadly a year ago a mm -hmm. uh, year and a half ago uh called pieces every step and that was new for me it was like the concept of the present moment that the quality of your life is determined by being in the present moment and not um really identifying or chasing at some future that doesn't exist or being clinging at some past that is already past so that concept was new for me i was like why has nobody told me about this <laughs> i had a a hell in my mind you know i was uh worrying about things that had never happened and i was and still, probably wouldn't never happen. and probably wouldn't <laughs> ever no i i think differently now i think if you think and focus on things you will make them happen mm. good and bad you create your own reality so things that happen to you are your creation but that, that's another conversation but like that's how i became in contact with the concept of mindfulness mm. And then, of course, uh, meditation is very related. So uh, I remember, okay, this makes sense from a cognitive perspective. Okay, being in the moment, being in the now. Uh, now let's let's put that to practice. I sat down to meditate back in the day and it was 30 years of demons, thoughts, like unresolved issues just come all at once, right? The concept of you sit down and meditate and you have to like stop thinking. Like those were many things that... I didn't really understand. So mm. meditation was very tough for me. So actually I started practicing mindfulness in many different ways. Meditation came a little bit after. Mm. That's why I mentioned meditation is a tool to practice mindfulness, but you can practice mindfulness in different ways as well. Well, this is very valuable, your experience that you just shared, because I think it's, it's the same shared experience for a lot of people where it's a very, everyone knows that it's good like by now it's 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 a very popular thing almost everyone knows what is kind of they think they know what is meditation they know that it's good for you but if you actually question people about it then not that many people are actively practicing it and most of the people do not know how and don't necessarily have this you know amazing experience with it so this brings me to the question how how should somebody approach it for the first time say we're now there's somebody listening that hasn't tried it and they know it's good they know they should so what how should they approach this okay there's many things there maybe to unpack it mm -hmm. a little bit it's starting with the concept of it's good for you right mm -hmm. like what is good for you 
Mm. There's many things that are good for you, but things that people don't do or things that people know that are bad for you and people still do it. I think when you stick to the fact of this is something good for me, you're creating expectations already, you might be disappointed. And that's the the main thing I see in many people that want to start meditating. They're like, I've tried, I'm not good at it, I can't do it, so next. It's because you create expectations about what's good or not. You're absolutely right that we've advanced a lot in the scientific research of meditation and mindfulness practice. It has a physical impact in the brain. I mean, it causes neuroplasticity. It helps not only the brain change its its shape and its size, uh, but also create new neural pathways and, and whatnot. So scientifically, it's proven. There's thousands of studies that are like, meditation is good for this, this, and that. Meditation is not new. It's something that if we trace the Buddha, it's 2,500 years ago. But meditation existed even before the Buddha. So the first thing I would say is like, okay, there's good things. Yes. Now, instead of creating an expectation, what's your intention with starting a practice? Let's go that people believe, okay, the, skeptic, the skeptics say, it's good for me because I, I will improve my focus, my concentration, my immune um, response, my emotional intelligence, my resilience. The, the, the benefits are, are a lot. So you want to start, right? Um, how to approach it, I would say. Have an intention. If you really want to change something, something is bothering you, something is really... Um, for me, the, the, the main superpower of meditation is that it gives you that millisecond between action and reaction or, or or like you know cause and effect or something that happens to you and how you react to that that is for me the most important or most powerful thing behind meditation mm -hmm. so if you think about that that will not happen until something happens to you it's not like going to the gym in the sense that you go to the gym a month and you see if you go properly you lose weight you get stronger, all of these things. Meditation takes a little bit longer uh, in order to see the benefits, but they're there. And it's very, very um, telling when you have uh, a strong challenge or something like that. And you have that bit of time or space to say, okay, I did not react that way before. Mm. So we can go a little bit more deep into all the benefits of meditation. For somebody to start, I would say, create the habit, sit down. Create the habit of sitting down. I remember the one thing that got me into meditation was somebody that said, if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life. And I was like, you're right, you're right. And it's something so simple, but yet we don't stop for a minute or we don't stop for a bit to just sit down in a room quietly alone. And um, it reminds me of a, of a quote by Blaise Pascal, which is all the problems of humanity stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So first step, create the the habit. Mm. There's many ways to create that habit. I can also go in deep into that, but I would say that's the first thing. Build the habit, build the habit to sit every mm. day. Definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. And funny enough, actually, we're doing this whole episode on meditation, but um, I've had a recent guest uh, where we were talking about breathing exercises and how because meditation and this ability to actually sit with yourself alone in a quiet room if you think about it is quite an advanced thing to ask from somebody that has never done that breath can be a great gateway to ease into that because that is something a bit more tangible a bit more practical for people to grab onto to then ease them into this state of meditation but that's just 
100%. There's one thing I would like to flag there, which is meditation is not breath work. And no. the breath is essential in meditation. The The different techniques that I mentioned, and I'd be very happy to, mm -hmm. to share, like um, you can have meditation techniques that involve visualizations. Uh, you can have meditation techniques that involve verbalization, like mantras. Mm -hmm. There's very popular to talk about TM, transcendental meditation, in which you repeat a mantra or visualizations in which you visualize something, a light or, or something else. Contemplative meditation, in which you are like looking at an object, a candle, something like that. Um, all of them really involve the breath. If you think about what you're doing with mindfulness and we talk about the, the present moment, is you're coming back to the present moment. No future, no past present right here right now the way to connect to that is to connect your mind and your body mm -hmm. and the breath is that bridge the breath is the bridge to connect the mind and the body and therefore through the breath you come back you come back you come back you come back mm -hmm. so what your uh, friend was saying is absolutely true if you're more aware of your breath you're naturally coming to the present moment yeah. however there's many other types of breath work holotropic yeah you know, definitely, definitely wim hof breathing all of them yeah. yeah so you touched upon um you touched upon a few uh techniques of meditation mm -hmm. already do you want to lay out all the all the spectrum for us or at least the most known one the most practiced mm -hmm. i because this is also another thing people say okay meditate okay you said also okay sit down 10 minutes then what then what okay <laughs> good good yeah we can go a little bit deeper into that i i think i'm gonna share uh what has come into my experience yeah. and what i know about yeah does that include the full spectrum of it i don't really know the uh the key thing is like what are you doing while you meditate you are in a state or you're practicing a state of non-judgmental non-distracted awareness to the present moment and the present moment is what it is there's nothing else everything else is in your mind right so it's like the present moment already has this internal um monkey monkey mind that is thinking all the time, chattering all the time. So what you're trying to do with meditation is to be in the moment and to be non-distracted, right? And not judging what goes in your mind. Mm. When you sit down to meditate, your mind will do whatever it does all the time. The thing is that you don't necessarily notice it because you're out and about in your day and doing things. The minute you, you start meditating or sit down to meditate, you will remember what you have to do, what you didn't do, all of those things. The key thing is not to judge that, just to let it be. Let the thoughts pass. Become aware of your thoughts. You will not blank your mind. Maybe if you're way, way into meditation, like a monk that sits hours, you will come to times of no mind or blank mind. But that's not the purpose. That's not why you why you sit for meditation. So going back to so the... So why do you sit? You sit for meditation because of all the benefits that we talked about. Mm -hmm. you, you, you sit for meditation mainly to be more self-aware. Your practicing is awareness. You're knowing yourself better. You are uh, going deep into what you really are. Um, this conversation can get a little bit more mystical and metaphysical because of that, because that's the main question many humans want to resolve. Who am I? Right. And the I and the me can be very different. Me can be this construct, you know, like I would say, who are you? Um, or if somebody asks, who are you to anybody else? I would say maybe their name, where they were born, what they do for a living. I am an engineer. I am a psychologist. Not necessarily. That's what you do for a living. That's your name. That's where you were born. That's your story. But that's not who you are. 
right? So the, the, the me is kind of a construct. And it's very nice in, in English language how we have this difference between I and me. What you're doing with meditation or any mindfulness is to really sit down to pay attention to that. Who am I really? So before we go into the spectrum of techniques, let's do a little exercise. Mm. Okay. So say hello. Hello. Okay. You said hello. I listened. You listened. It's an object and a subject, right? Now think hello. Okay. Did you hear yourself? Mm, yes. Okay. Who heard? My consciousness or my thinking brain? Okay. So you start questioning those things. If there's an object and a subject, when I think, when I, who is observing that? Who is listening to that? Mm. So then you start going a little bit mystical and metaphysical. It's like you are consciousness. You are eternal awareness, let's say. When you sit in meditation, you are aware of that that is aware. Mm. <laughs> so the, the, the way to do it is to sit down and pay attention to what is going on. So there's many different techniques. I would say all of them are good here and hopefully this message passes. Like whatever you choose, whatever works for you, beginning, you know, whatever's easier for you to get into this practice, use it, mm. you know. So there's, you can just sit down quietly, close your eyes and focus it, on your breath or focus on observation. Exactly. Or you can look it up somewhere and maybe repeat a mantra mm -hmm. or you can focus on, as you said, an object, a candle, flame or mm -hmm. something else. Exactly. Um, so going into that. So it's like if you verbalize, there's mantra and transcendental meditation is a specific technique of meditation in which you get your own mantra and that's your mantra. You repeat that. Uh, loving kindness meditation or metta meditation in Pali is to spread love. So you repeat verbally, uh, may I be happy, may I be safe, may I be at peace, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be at peace, may everybody be mm -hmm. happy. So it's like, it's another way to verbalize, right? If you want to count your breath to sort of get into the concentration, one, two, three, four, or breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, you're verbalizing in your mind. That's a way to focus the mind, to concentrate the mind. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's good for you. It helps in all of those benefits that I that I sort of laid out earlier. Visualization as well. So there's people that say like visualize a light coming into your body and going from top to bottom. So healing can be healing. Oh yeah, this is healing because you're healing emotional traumas. Mm -hmm. You're becoming more aware that things don't happen to you. Mm -hmm. It's your reaction to things. So emotional intelligence comes after so would you visualize things that you want happening as well oh that's another that's another way that mm -hmm. that's another type of thing um i would not say that's specifically mindfulness yes um, because that's already exerting some sort of energy towards exactly. something to happen exactly yeah that's wishful thinking and you yeah. do that all the time yeah like you're all the time you're thinking about things that you want or you don't want and that happens through feeling right this feels good. I want more of more of that. This feels bad. I don't want it. But good and bad, you know, mm -hmm. in the spectrum of, of feeling. So, hey guys, I have a very exciting announcement to make. I've started working with my very first sponsor, and it's none other than drumroll, Momo Kombucha, our own London-based, locally produced, healthy and delicious kombucha that I've been a fan of since I first tried it. For those of you who know me, you know that I'm obsessed with my health, but at the same time, I'm a devout foodie and nothing will make me renounce tasty food and drink. Unfortunately, most delicious drinks are full of sugar and other additives that are not good for your health. This is why I love Momo so much. 
It's delicious, so it curbs my cravings for snacks and healthy, as it contains loads of probiotics that are great for your gut. If you'd like to try it yourself, use the discount code ISTHISIT15 to get a 15% off of your first order. Let's say, to break them down, visualization, verbalization. Mm -hmm. Vipassana is its only sensation, right? In all of these, you connect to the breath. So if you sit down, let's say for the beginner, sit down in a comfortable posture. Normally, sitting down is best, really straight. Um, and maybe we can link um, a video on your show notes mm -hmm. that helps you with the posture for meditation. It's very yeah. important. But sit down comfortably and be aware of your breath. Of course, you're going to go away thinking about life and things. And this is what I really liked mm -hmm. about the way that you um, spoke about this. You said your mind mm -hmm. is going to do this, this, this and that. And your thoughts are going to do this. But what I like about that and what I want to uh, draw people's attention to is that that is something that you possess, but that is not you, mm. in fact. Mm. So to kind of summarize what you said, meditation is really about you holding that space for whatever shows up without any judgment and without necessarily exercising any sort of form of action. It's just, just, just being. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes up, you let it be. That is it. And that's it. That's why you're not doing anything when yes. you when you are. And this is this is controversial because you know the A types of people that are like, hey, I'd rather do something than sit down to do nothing. So it's not that you're doing nothing, but it's not that you're sitting down to do something. You're just sitting down to be aware of what already happened, and that is in by itself a superpower because you are opening doors that you did not really know that existed. So that's why when I, when we talked about the benefits, all of those things are amazing. And there's all of these like more spiritual things that happen when you do the practice and when you yeah. sit down. Life changes, really. It, it changed my life. Uh, I remember the one day I saw progress in meditation because that's the other one how do you stick with a habit you need to see some progress right so it's like i remember i was um, going out to i used to work in banking and all of that i was in green park station here in london and i used to be walking and i was like oh that building is so beautiful and i was like i've been walking the same road for six years and I had never paid attention to this building. It's because you start to be more present. You start to be more aware of, of the distractions. I mean, you start to reduce the distractions, which are internal and external. Mm. So those are the different techniques. And then going back to Vipassana, that's, let's say, a deeper technique. And that's why starting this conversation, you, you said you just lived an experience that was very impactful to your life. That is true. Okay, let's let's I think we've explored the the most popular types of meditation that people can can start with and essentially how to do it. Mm -hmm. Again, bottom line is it's not hard. Just dedicate that time, start with those 10 minutes and just consistently keep showing up. And I like that you mentioned um, those the A type of people <laughs> that are going to say, "Well, this is a waste of my time. I have no time for this." It's it's a practice of non-reactiveness that will then positively impact your ability to make money, progress in career, have good relationships, have better sleep, have better health. So it's a pretty great uh, payout for a very low effort activity. 
Yes. <laughs> so this this is the selling point to the very active oh, yeah, types 100%. of people. I mean, yeah. it's the, if the if the skeptics or busy people, you know, are still being skeptical about why doing this, you can see the examples in the science. You can see the examples in what are considered to be uh, successful people. Uh, one of them, Ray Dalio, uh, he talks about transcendental meditation a lot he basically says that the one thing that helped him recover from that big um let's say mistake that he did yeah. when he tried to call the market um ray dalio by the way for those who don't know you know hedge fund um leading of one of the best hedge funds in the world um which i think is bridgewater i think yes is the, is the one. so it's like he basically talks about transcendental meditation a lot so like you have those examples it's not that it's not not that it's easy it's actually very uncomfortable and sitting down with your mind and with yourself, it's uncomfortable. So it's it's something that you're it's effort. You're it's not effortless, right? After many, many, let's say, sit downs, like after practice, as with everything, it becomes a little bit uh, effortless, right? It is something that you're going to sit down and you're going to be uncomfortable. The mind doesn't like to be seen. The ego doesn't like to be mm -hmm. tested. Um, we need an ego. We need, we need this human condition. We have this for a reason, but it doesn't like to be seen. So it's like, oh, leave me alone. I'm comfortable being who I am. It's comfortable being me and all this, um, you know, st structure that I created, you know, being born here, being doing this, because what if you actually see me and you actually see that it's possible to do all of those things you've always dreamed about mm -hmm. and to actually take all those risks? Uh, no, no, no. It's comfortable to be here. Shut up. Uh, you know, let's continue repeating our traumas, repeating our patterns, living this. Yes, because life. because it requires so much more effort and energy to change your habits and to i don't know the image that's coming to my mind is like when you go into a jungle and there is no path and you take your machete and you need to create your own path that's the level of exertion that's required to break your habit and essentially change the direction of where you're going come drastically and this is what you're talking about you know the mind the brain the the human nature is to be as lazy as possible, <laughs> getting as much as possible, you know, do as little as you can to get as much as you can. So it's understandable. But then again, what do you want more? Mm -hmm. Do you want that dream life or do you want the comfortability? Right. They don't usually almost never go hand in hand. Yes. And, and, and there's people that are very comfortable out there just doing whatever they're doing. I think in discomfort or in the edge of discomfort really exists growth and magic and a lot of awareness that as i as i mentioned before you open doors that you did not know existed um you are you become aware of things you were not necessarily aware before you start questioning things you see different possibilities so i can understand why people sometimes would be i don't i'm fine as i am i don't need to bother again i've gone through moments like that you know when you this is this is the beauty for example behind taoism and taoist philosophy which is like Sometimes you become so self-aware that you get yourself in the way, you know. Mm. And when I got that feeling or, or that notion, I was like, yes. Sometimes it's like the, the, the idea of like, I'm self-aware. I am this, like all of these questions and then get yourself out of the way. That's sort of like a second bit of mindfulness in which you understand that that thing that listened to you say hello is just an illusion. And there's nothing else but consciousness. So that's also like something you start 
opening and understanding and feeling through the practice of meditation. So when you get to that point, what is the next step? Okay, so maybe it's worth mentioning the step-by-step as the vipassana tradition yes okay let's get into vipassana you've you've you said that it's another tool um but let's delve deeper into that vipassana is another technique yes to practice to use the same tool of meditation i and the reason we we started talking about this was because i i I attended one of these uh, retreats these courses um and it's basically as i mentioned 10 hours on average per day during 10 days, um, sitting down, practicing this technique of Vipassana. And they lay out a step-by-step of first do this, first do that, first do this, then then do that, and you will get somewhere, mm. right? So... What is that somewhere? Um, to become aware that everything is impermanent, right? Um, I think we can understand that at the conscious level. We're like, oh, everything passes by... Everything comes by. There's nothing constant. The only constant is change, change. as many, yes. many wise people have said it. I think we understand that, right? Like once you become more experienced in life, you know that there's ups and downs. The pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. It's always, it comes and goes. Sometimes we forget about it. So we attach to the good things. And when they go, we, you know, we suffer. Sometimes we attach ourselves to the pendulum and then we swing on these wild exactly. rides. And it, then sometimes we zoom out and then we observe the pendulum. Exactly. And then you know the pen- exactly. You know if the pendulum is going to swing again. You can dodge it. Yeah. And if you, can, you can remain calm in the swings of life. If you understand impermanence, but not from the cognitive level, but from the experiential level. Okay. That's sort of like where you get with to uh, or you get at the end let's say, of all of these things. I suppose it helps you come to terms with the concept of your own mortality as well? Yeah. Okay, let's go into that. It's, uh, if everything is impermanent, of course, life comes and goes. Now, we've, we've known because of science that everything is made up and built of subatomic particles, you know? And as we delve into physics and quantum physics and all of these things, we have understood that everything at the end is energy. So this is something that science has proven more recently in human times, but this is something that also the Buddha said. He just had a different name for it. And um, many people know that we're only but energy, right? So once you understand and feel the that your body is just a cloud of sensations and that you are nothing but just energy you gain a different level of wisdom you know what i mean it's not just wisdom cognitive wisdom but experiential wisdom it's in your cells you you tend to understand this in a more uh real way right so you become aware of impermanence you realize that you're not but energy that you will pass away as well and these are the insights that some people call enlightenment right so to answer your question what's the final step according to different traditions enlightenment once you understand that everything is a consequence of um cause and effects over many lives let's say that's what the buddha and many other enlightened beings sort of reach is that what we should be striving for i don't necessarily think so i mean i think we should strive to live a good life and to live an examined life this is something that is attributed to socrates like the unexamined life is not worth living and is live a life on purpose and with what you would like to live and accomplish the things that you would like in this life heal 
from the things that you have to heal. And I think that's what we should strive for, using the word should, which mm -hmm. I don't particularly like. But there's no, again, I want to be enlightened. What does that mean? All of these things are more mystical and, and, um, and spiritual. But I think with meditation and with these techniques, you are really becoming more aware. You are healing yourself. And um, there's specific steps on how to do that according mm. to all of these and vipassana is one of them very happy to delve deeper let's in that delve, but let's delve <laughs> where would you want me to go from now i mean so you've spoken about uh vipassana can you tell me a little bit more about how those 10 days were for you mm -hmm. mm, it's 10 days in complete silence um it's called noble silence that goes beyond so for 10 days you can't speak to anyone ever at all uh there's there's nuances to that and i'll i'll go to in in 10 days you're not supposed to speak you're not supposed to read, you're not supposed to um, write, you're not supposed to make eye, make eye contact with anybody, you're not supposed to communicate in verbal, sign hand language. sign language, uh, none of that is what they call noble silence. You are allowed, of course, to contact the instructor who is being aware that people are sort of uh, having good progress through the course. So you have five minutes every day to speak to him or her. If you need to. If you need to. Which is it's, it's a good remark because some people just like speak for the sake of speaking. And um, I'm actually writing something on Vipassana with some tips and, and, and tools and, and things to do or to keep in mind before doing your first 10 Vipassana course. I can I can share a little bit more of that here and I would uh, I will share the link so mm -hmm. people can can access yeah, for when you. this podcast is out. Um, but that's one of them. So it's, it's in silence, 10 days. Um, basically, you wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning and you go to bed at 9.30 p.m. In the, in the at night. And then you're meditating for an average of 10 hours per day, practicing Vipassana in different stages throughout the 10 days. So it's not like you're sitting for 10 hours. You are sitting for 10 you hours. You are sitting for 10 hours. Yeah. It, so is, is everyone sitting together? Is it just dispersed? You sit wherever you want in the forest, in the woods, in your room? No, it's very, it's very structured. So um, you get um, segregated between men and women. Why is that? I think, um, I'm not, I don't know the spiritual reason or their spiritually. I know it's a lot of like distraction. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's sort of uh, one of the things that um, I know they do it because of distractions. Mm -hmm. I also know it's because of energies. Mm -hmm. So it's like energy, masculine energy, feminine energy. Um, but they, they do that. There's a conversation that's going on about like, what if you don't identify as a man? Why do you don't identify as a woman? But I think that's a, a, mm -hmm. that's a, a conversation for, for another time. Mm -hmm. But you get uh, segregated in that and then you are meditating in the meditation hall at times in the day or in your meditation cell at times in a day. So you're given uh, a space, like a room, let's say, for you to meditate on your own without distraction. That's what you're doing on average 10 hours a day. It's not 10 hours straight. Sounds very hard. <laughs> it is very hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I can imagine. So <laughs> what, what? bring me back to the moment that was extremely hard for you. You were fidgeting. You were like, I can't do this anymore. Oh my God, I want to escape or whatever it was for you. And what did you do? Every day is a struggle. Um, every day you think about leaving because your mind wants to get out, you out of it. It's not comfortable at all to be staring at your thoughts and your consciousness for that period of time. It's something that we're just not used to. Only monks who do this for hours, for years, you know. Um, so it's super tough. 
um, according to their statistics, day two and day six are the the days in which most people leave. Um, they just leave because it's too tough. In my perspective, my experience, day four and day seven were the hardest for me to be there. Um, I found in which basically my body broke and my mind broke in those two different days. Body broke how? I... So you're, you're sitting down. This one of the, so in, in, in this thing that I'm writing, and we talked about posture, right? In, in the habit of, of sitting down. If you're sitting down for 10 minutes, 10 minutes is good every day. It's amazing. Do it. Um, sit down with a good posture, right? I've been sitting down for years and it's not the same <laughs> to sit down 10 hours. So uh, posture is super, super important. Um, that's why your body breaks because or breaks in the, in, the, in the figurative sense you're sitting down in either cross-legged or uh, kneeled you can ask for a chair um, if you can't handle any other posture but you are putting the body through an extreme thing which is like sitting down in this position for that long so your back is gonna hurt your knees are gonna hurt so on day four i remember i was um, limping for like half of the day and your mind is going to get you out of there however it, it, it can and it, i remember it's like no self-love you don't need to be here you like to exercise you're gonna do this for 10 days but then you're gonna be injured forever it's like it's the, <laughs> it's the chatter you know it, your mind is going to try to get you out of there one of my my tips in in this thing that i'm writing is do not leave do not leave of course if you're there already day zero you're like of course i'm not gonna leave and you will be surprised about the tricks that your mind is gonna play on you some people actually leave oh yeah 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 people leave uh second timers leave um, it's tough. Every single time is tough. So my body was breaking on day four and my mind was breaking on day seven because I came down a very ex existentialist day in which when you start really comprehending from a more experiential level the concept of impermanence, you know, it makes you question a lot of things. Of craving, aversion, all of those things. So the, the don't leave is two ways. It's like, don't leave because because you can do it and it's going to be amazing uh, at the end. And also because you're going to be moving a lot of energy, a lot of things. And it's not really wise to leave a process like mm. that abruptly. So what was the or some of the most important things that you gained or insights, revelations that you took from those 10 days? Yeah, the word insight is super important. It's uh, actually Vipassana is known as insight meditation is really to differentiate it from the others that i was mentioning you're not verbalizing you're not visualizing if you want to put it simply vipassana technique is from the skin inside so everything that is contouring this mm -hmm. inside is based on sensation and the breath is extremely important so you are focusing on the breath like razor sharp and then you start developing or being aware that the sensations in your body are present all the time and that they are impermanent. Pain, bliss, tingling, heat, all of these things. So you start every day and you become and develop this, this uh, razor sharp mind that is able to pick up on the sensation. And then it gets a little bit deeper. Now, that moves a lot of moves a lot of energy you're vibrating at let's say high frequencies which unties a lot of emotional knots so a lot of things come up weird memories weird things that i was like oh wow you know that you were holding on to yeah maybe i didn't even know i i, mm -hmm. I remembered that so lots of things come up they surface you know uh, i remember this said in the course 
that what you're doing is doing a surgery to your subconscious mind. You're opening your subconscious mind and letting all those things that... It's a purge. Exactly. Yeah. It's another way of healing. It's another way of, of, of purging your subconscious mind. Um, so a lot of my insights were uh, I went with the intention of doing whatever I was asked to do and asking for clarity. So I got a lot of clarity around my business, my personal relationships, things I like next steps. All of a sudden, things were insanely clear for me. Like this is what I need to do because it feels right and it's there. When you shut down the noise of everything else, your your words, all the all the um, stressors and external influences, you're super super clear. So this is one of the th- main benefits again of meditation. You become your mind is clear. Uh, you have clear thinking. You have better decision making. So. That was another good thing about uh, that happened to me. Creativity, insane, like just a, like a stream of ideas that became a little bit hard to handle because you cannot write anything. And I'm somebody who is used to writing down my thoughts and things. Me too. That sounds like a nightmare. I would want to like <laughs> scribble them into 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 I don't know forests or in the ground yeah. so I can come back to them. Yeah, later. exactly. But then you trust in your subconscious because they're gonna be there for retrieval. That's another benefit of of meditation. Your memory just works better. Yes, because in a way you declutter it to a level that you've never done in your whole life. Yeah, and just as computer needs cleaning like a reboot every i don't know five years or something so does your mind yeah, yeah. that's true that i would put it like that as well it's a decluttering it's a clearing out your senses are insanely um ex- are exponentially more powerful i would say if that if that makes sense mm. you are you're hearing you're you're seeing everything is it's amazing sounds it, like a limitless pill like exactly like that like that movie um you really become super sharp in all senses. You feel good uh, through the the pain that we're talking about, through the uh, discomfort that we've been talking about. But all these things start bubbling up and you're like, wow, you know, we as humans are, we're just exploring our limit. And that's been seen. I want to see David Goggins do Vipassana. Has he not? I don't think so. Okay. At least not that I know of. Okay. Not that I'm an expert on him, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you feel why, right? Because he's so, his way of getting into the state and getting into the flow and getting to, I think his way of meditation is through enduring this pain and into this constant physical activity every single day. I would love to see if he would be able to, to do. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm that. pretty sure. This is another, another concept as well. Like specifically talking about the Vipassana course, you know, 10 days, let's say 12, because you need to get in and you need to get out. People can do it. But if you're going to go there to just struggle during 10 days, because I will be able to do this, you will do it. Nobody has died. <laughs> People will. And you can see the stubbornness. If that, That's also another uh, type of, or let's say, style of ego. Um, mm. You know, it's like, I will do this. I'm able to do this. The idea is to go there and surrender to whatever happened or the, the intention, right? So David Goggins will do it. 100%. I mean, the guy has done, for those that don't know David Goggins, what, what's the name of his book? Uh, you Can't Hurt uh, Me. Can't Hurt Me. Can't yeah. Hurt me. yeah. So uh, the guy's like a human, um, superhuman. Yeah. Um, he has in a way, I wouldn't call it meditation, but a way to take his mind and his body to extremes. And he has very wisely understood that mind and body are one. So if your mind is there, your body can do anything and your mind is limitless. Mm-hmm. 
your mind is limited. You can imagine whatever you want. So that's why humans have been progressing so much. And you see it on on things like the world record of uh, holding your breath. You know? Do you know? But the the, the recent? No, I have no oh, idea. The X one. Have a guess. Okay, I think I've heard something crazy like I don't know, thirty minutes. Something crazy. It's, it's around twenty-two minutes or okay. something like that. But yeah, it's crazy. Most people that I ask are like, yeah, five, ten minutes. But the humans can do that. And when you talk about when you talk to um, an apnea expert, you know what they do. I think I'm saying it right. Apnea, the people that dive down without any yes. oxygen support, they just tell you you need to convince your mind that you don't need to breathe. So it's a mental thing. Right? Your body will do whatever it needs to do. So with that, we are breaking the limits of what humans can do. And so what's what's the limit, you know? So with, uh, yeah, David Goggins for sure can do it. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the, the idea and what I'm sharing in this um, new piece I'm writing is it's your intention. It's like make the best use of your time there. If it's 10 minutes that you're going to sit down, make good use of them. Really uh, sit down for 10 minutes to practice. Mm. You're going to think, do not get disappointed. That's sort of the, the what I would say for anybody that wants to embark in this um, challenge of, of, a, of a Vipassana retreat or course. Well, you've definitely uh, convinced me. <laughs> um, actually, one of my favorite movies is Limitless. So uh, in, in, the light of, in the light of that, I would, I would love to try. I would love to do that as well. Um, okay, so we've, we've pretty much delved deep into this. I guess I would like to ask, what would you be, what would be your advice to people that have tried meditation mm-hmm. um, and they haven't necessarily had a good experience because probably they had these expectations and they weren't met. Yep. So now they're a bit sour about it. How would you maybe encourage or entice people like mm-hmm. that to try again? And- uh, trust the process. Trust the process. It's something that is happening scientifically and physically in your brain. You're developing new neural pathways. Your brain is becoming better at that, better able to handle change. That from the physical, the pure physical scientific perspective. From a more, let's say, esoterical side, you are becoming more self-aware. You are becoming a better person. You are healing your trauma. You are learning how to um, react better to the challenges of life when they happen. So it's, it's a tool you are, let's say, sharpening and keeping and maintaining every day throughout your sitting. You need five minutes, ten minutes. It's the, the amount of time gets better, of course, if, if you want to sit for longer, but the benefits are there. Ten minutes is enough. Um, you can use a thousand apps out there, you know, so get in the habit. I would say first step, get in the habit. Set a time and a place. That's the basics of habit creation. So when do you going to meditate? Where, when are you going to meditate? Where are you going to meditate? Create a little space in your in your home, in your office, in your work. Uh, I call it meditation station or like your meditation. So like create your meditation. That's where you sit. That's where you're going to do it. That releases the choice, the, the you know, the decision fatigue. So it's like there at the same time every day for this amount of time. Download an app. I would suggest for beginners, um, I started with uh, Headspace, mm. which was very uh, nice into guiding into the whole thing and understanding. It's more visualization, like you visualize clouds and the clouds are your your thoughts, but it gets you into this whole thing that we are talking about. And then you can progress uh, into others if you want or meditate in silence, uh, which is it's, it's tough um, or more uncomfortable because you have your chatter loud, like louder, mm. but get your, your meditation, get an app, 
and just sit down and leave the expectations aside. Leave all expectations aside. It's something, set an intention why you're doing it. Um, my intention is I'm going to sit for 10 minutes and connect to my breath as frequent as possible. That's something you do. That's something you don't expect. Okay, tomorrow, repeat. And it is not like the gym, but it is like the gym in the sense that every single time that you come back, you sit down, you start thinking, you come back, it's a rep, one rep. Yeah. You then go out again. You're building a skill. Yes. Definitely. Exactly. And, you know, I always like to say as well that we pay so much attention to our physical body. And so we, you know, try to go to gym, etc. But there's a gym for everything. So there's the gym for the physical body. Then the meditation is the, the gym for your mind. Then other mindfulness practices. Um, and I guess that deeper self-exploration is your spiritual gym. Uh, and then having uncomfortable conversations with your close ones and learning to communicate better is your emotional gym. And so we need to be mindful of actually exercising all of the different planes that we have been entrusted with. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're not really building a complete human. Yeah. And, and I would say the mind is all of those enclosed. So if you sit down for 10 minutes every day, you're going to be more self-aware. You're going to know who you are, really. You're going to remember who you are and you're going to test your limits and start testing your limits. And then you're going to see that you're going to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations because who cares? You know, you're, you're going to see that you're going to be able to um, do that spiritual training as, as well because like, you open doors that you didn't really know. You start questioning things. You start living a more meaningful life. And it's great that you, what you said about mindfulness again. So for the beginners, or if you've, you're wanting to, to start this habit, practice mindfulness throughout your day. That doesn't mean meditating itself, because I would say meditate for 10 minutes. That's the, that's the most effective tool you have because it's the toughest tool. But you can practice mindfulness. Um, go for a walk without music. Pay attention to the trees. Pay attention to your surroundings. That is also a mindfulness practice. Sometimes people call it active meditation. Mm. Um, I like to stick to meditation to the... Uh, I'm more like um, disciplined like that. But like, like meditation is sitting down in stillness. Mm -hmm. But mindfulness practice, mindful walking. Mm -hmm. mindful talking you know we can be here but you can be there thinking about many things but if you're paying attention you're also being aware of the moment if you're not judging what i'm saying if you're not uh, distracted you're practicing mindfulness it's the moment you can uh, a lot of um monks always bring the wash your dishes wash the dishes when you're washing the dishes just focus on the just dishes. Just being in the dishes. The water, the warmth, the temperature, all of those things. I definitely want to add one that people should probably do regardless, which is mindful eating. Yeah, 100%. Like I say this because from my own um, own personal life, I, I grew up reading a lot of books. And, for, and I'm also an extremely <laughs> um, big sweet lover. And mm. so I would always eat and then consume some sort of media. So it would be books and then later maybe it would be TV, but they, they would always be interlinked. So I had developed this, arguably I would say unhealthy uh, combination where, you know, if you're watching something for three hours and you keep eating for three hours, that's not very good. But um, long story short, to break that pattern when I realized that, you know, that's not very good, I just set myself this, you know, task, this practice of when I eat, just focus on the food. Mm -hmm. Complete silence, no TV, no, no, no music, no, no books. 
absolutely nothing. Obviously, when you're having dinner with somebody else, then you pay attention to those people as well. But if you're just home alone, 100% focus on your food. And that is a very strong mindfulness practice mm -hmm. because you come to appreciate what you eat. You see almost, you think about all the steps that that food has gone through to come to your to come to your table you become more grateful you become more appreciative you taste you focus on what you're tasting you focus on how much you're eating so you're less prone to overeat and and that's just simply because you're present absolutely and it's another way to hook yourself to the present moment um eating through the flavors oh how many times we, we eat and we really don't savor the food or, or just gobble like, it down or ex not exactly. even chew it no, you yeah. chew it oh yeah from scientific and uh, there's a lot of research around that i'm not an expert on that but like how it's better digestion it's like a lot of different things that um come through or after or because of mindful eating but that's another way and that's the concept of like do not leave mindfulness in the cushion is live mindfully Mm -hmm. And you can do that. Work mindfully. And this is something that um, I've sort of dedicated my life to helping people how to focus at work, L less distractions. We live in a society that competes for our attention on a daily basis. Um, social media is the, the best example of it. But uh, if you are able to handle or manage those distractions, you're going to be more present. So work is another one. You're going to work, work mindfully. Two hours, three hours of what... It's known as deep work, mm -hmm. which is another way of saying flow. If you're in the flow... No distraction work. Exactly. It's it's, it's flow. It's You're going to be more productive. You're going to feel happier just because you're practicing mindfulness. So you're doing that active mindful living, mm. basically. David, this has been very insightful, very practical episode. I hope people get, get a lot of good... Um, good tools and good advice and good information to be able to implement their daily lives. Um, I always end with the same question, but you were here <laughs> okay. some some four or five months ago. So I will still ask it to you in uh -huh. case it has changed. Okay. What is your recipe of happiness? My recipe of happiness is, is exactly what we are talking. Be present. Because if you're present and you practice hooking to this moment, this present that is a present it's a gift beautiful gift that we have you will be able to understand that happiness is something that you can tune in anytime that you want so ups and downs happen uh the pendulum swings but you can always zoom out and see it and know that you can access that happiness at any point in time and having that realization or that awareness is my rep recipe for happiness like things can be really tough as they are life is is is, is not particularly easy uh that's what we're here for mm. um so just knowing that you can tune into that being present that's my recipe uh, it, it's one of those things that has um been with me for for years be present be here be here. Uh, everything is impermanent. Mm. Remember the impermanence of life. It's now, today. This is really my way of seeing happiness and yeah, my, my recipe for it. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, I always think about uh, happiness as well. And, you know, it's it's one, everybody you ask, so, so many people just say, oh, what, what do you want in life? And they're just like, I want to be happy. But I don't think that many people have actually explored what do they even understand with the word happiness? Yeah. What does that even mean to them? They haven't even gone through this conversation of, okay, well, what, what is it? What does that mean to me? How do I get there? For me, I've come to this understanding that really it's 100% in your power because it is almost like a 
switch that you can flip anytime you want. So if I'm able to, whatever the situation I'm in and whatever is the emotional state that I'm in, if I gather myself in the moment and I have this awareness and I become present in it, I realize that it's always me assigning various meaning and perceiving things in a certain way Mm -hmm. that make me then perceive the reality in a certain way and have an emotional response to it. And happiness is just another state, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're feeling happy, right? When What is happiness? I want to be happy. Okay, happy, that's a feeling. That's an emotion. It's thinking that you want to go and you want to be happy. Often people, when they say that, I it implies this continuity of like, I want to be happy, like forever happy, always happy. That is impossible. Just like any emotional state, happiness will come and go and then you will feel happy one moment then you'll feel sad another and that's normal and (laughs) I think people need to embrace that and so if you understand that then you understand that as with all the other things it is in your power to control when you get into that state so being present and being aware is that ground zero from which you can then choose Mm. okay so right now what do I want to feel Mm-hmm. And when you decide, okay, say it's happy, I want to feel happy right now, then you look around and you're like, okay, well, how could I be ha- like, what, what reasons could I have to be happy right now? And then it's like, well, I mean, for starters, I have this cognitive ability to even be thinking these thoughts it means that I'm in pretty good health. Um, I mean, looks like I'm in pretty good shape. Nice. Um, do I know any people that wish well to me that I wish well to? Yes. Oh, great. So I have people in my life. Okay. Well, do I have a roof over? Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm pretty damn blessed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's it. That's it. And you're happy. I mean, it links into gratitude as well, but you get into that gratitude again, once you are present. Exactly. So yeah, for me, what that means really is ground zero is, is the baseline is the, is the perfect neutrality and field of all possibilities. From then you can create and build whatever you want. 100%. 100%. If I may add to that, as you said, happiness is an emotion. It's a vibration. It's, a, it's, a, it's energy in motion. It's just a, a specific frequency of energy going through your body, moving through your body. You have love in the high spectrum of the, of the range of emotions. You might have fear or, or hate or depression towards the lower side of, of that spectrum. It's just an emotional guidance system through life. If you are here now living this human experience, we are coming to evolve something somehow. And your emotional spectrum is that compass that guides you through this 3D dimension, world, time and space through contrast. That's what we were mentioning earlier today. It's like this is a good feeling or a bad feeling it's just a feeling it's just an emotion of course you're going to feel anger depression when things are not aligned to that true self you are this consciousness so you can use your emotions to guide yourself of course we want to feel happy we want to feel love we want to feel joy so exactly as what you're saying hooking up to the present moment is like okay where am i where am i vibrational um emotionally right now what can i do to change that that state and therefore everything is thoughts thoughts is just another way to guide that emotional system so think about good things what you just did that exercise that you just did think about good thoughts that is not positive vibes only which is this sort of toxic positivity that's been going on around um depression sadness 
are also useful emotions. And this is something I, I, I sort of share with people sometimes. It's like, use your emotions. Not only learn how to react to your emotions, but use them. What is this telling you? Mm -hmm. What information are you getting from this? Um, it's, it's signaling this alignment with where you are probably supposed to be or go. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> David, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me again. It's really very, very uh, good to be back. And uh, we have so many things to, to talk about. Maybe <laughs> around three and four at some, at some yes, point. Yes, parts, part, new parts incoming. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. And I will uh, let you know about links and things so people get more practical things if they want to do the Vipassana. Awesome. Thank you. Hello, friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and share it with someone. I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions as to what guests you would like to see in the show next. See you next week.